0: And to fellowship together, I I, have this, I had this very vague sense of who Word of Life was. Okay? I knew where you were, was never here, but being at Millmont in 2021, I think it was just prior to you all starting as a group uh, permanently here. And so I kind of had a little sense, but this helps to kind of get in my mind who all, who all belongs here and who all belongs over at Millmont and so on. And, uh, and so I find it a blessing to be with you uh, here this morning. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning, the one that is holy and righteous, and the one that is over all and, and, uh, and knows all. You know, I titled the message this morning Serving God Acceptably, and it really kind of meshes in with the Sunday school lesson you know I wasn't sure wasn't sure what I was to share this morning and as I as I studied and looked the Lord um, laid this message upon my heart and as I sat through the Sunday school lesson it kind of solidified in my mind that you know what this is this is what the Lord would have me to share and um, brother Lamar made the comment this morning we need to believe that God exists and you say well if I didn't believe God existed, I wouldn't be here this morning, right? That's kind of one of those statements that's a little bit like, of course, right? But yet the reality is that we become creatures of habit, right, and we become creatures that just go through the motions of things, sometimes without really getting in our hearts, what is God really doing and who is he and, 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 and so on. So we need to believe that God exists. You know, we have such a limited knowledge when we talk about God and, uh, and who he is. And, uh, and, and then he calls us as his people to serve him. And yet in our humanity, we have this, yes, we know, right? But it's like, it's like uh, the scripture says, we see through a glass darkly right and we're looking forward to that time in the future when face to face we can come to a fuller and more real understanding about who God is. You know God reveals himself to us through his word and um, he tells us in his word that he is the Almighty in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1 he comes to Abraham and says I am the Almighty revealing to us this morning who he is. He is the one that is in control. He is the one that that is over all things, these miracles that we heard about this morning. God is the one that is in control. He is Almighty. In First Peter chapter one and verse sixteen, he says, I am holy. The holiness of God and, 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 and who he is in his being of, of holiness. In Revelation. It tells us that he is the Alpha and the Omega, and I understand as, I, as, I, as a, the, the Greek alphabet, the Alpha would be the beginning and the Omega would be the end. God is saying he is, he is omnipresent, he is, he is complete through all of time. God reveals to us through his word. God also reveals himself to us through his dealing with people. God dealt with Adam and Eve, right? He had that perfect and pure relationship with them. But he also revealed to us that at the moment in time of sin, there was no longer a relationship with mankind as he dealt with Adam and Eve in scripture as, as, as we know it. We also see God dealing with Abraham. And as he dealt with Abraham, we see a God that is a God of provision and guidance, a God that, that gives direction. To humanity through life. We see God through his son, Jesus Christ. The mercy, the compassion, the grace that we talked about this morning that was extended to me and you through salvation. And that's a true blessing uh, for us this morning. But sometimes I am alarmed as we think about, and I think most of us have been people that have been, have been, um, have grown up knowing and hearing and, and understanding a tremendous amount about God. And sure, as we grow older, we learn and understand more. But at sometimes I am I, concerned with the fact that we don't maybe show the, the level of reverence and respect towards God that He deserves, Okay. And and thinking about him as the highest being, he is the creator, he is the sovereign one, he is the one that that gives every good thing to us. There's nothing to be compared. There, words are exhausted when we try and speak about God. Because of his he's beyond our realm of knowledge and understanding. And I believe something I, I believe that sometimes we, we don't maybe stop and realize that to the fullest extent that we should. You know, I believe if anyone in the world today should know God or can know God or, or should have the, a, a, a deep relationship with God, it is the people of God that have grown up with the Word of God. We are responsible people this morning as we sit here and as we, as we um, take in the Word of God again. We are a responsible peep- people. But I believe this morning that the, gre- the greater the knowledge and the greater the understanding of who God is, the deeper the reverence and respect, and I'm going to use a word: the word fear of God, should be present in our lives. And that word fear is not a fear of God that, that he's going to in some way uh, harm us type of fear. But it is a fear of God that brings reverence and respect. And out of that, dear ones, this morning flows a relationship of love and understanding. God being the the, the highest authority, the lofty one, and I am his servant. Okay, we heard about that this morning in the devotional time. We are his servants because he is the lofty one. And out of that flows a relationship. I invite you to turn with me. Kind of for a springboard to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Looking at a couple verses here and thinking about the reverence and respect that we owe to God because of who he is. Chapter 1, beginning reading at verse 16. And and let me say this before I start, we are going to look at a bit of scripture this morning, and so bear with me as we we go through the scripture uh, in, in uh, in this message. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. Because that that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, seen being understood by the things which are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish hearts were darkened. Jump down to verse 25. It says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped the, and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen and in between there there's some verses about the sinfulness of man and so on several things that I want to just lift out of this as, as we as we start in this message this morning Paul in verses 16 and 17 is rejoicing in his relationship with the Almighty God God is almighty and Paul and Paul as he as he wrote this letter he is rejoicing in that relationship with that is established through the mercy and the grace of God upon his heart. It is the power of God to give life and to give relationship with him. However, Paul goes on to caution us that while we have a relationship with God, we are not equal with God. And dear ones, this morning, we live in a time, and I might mention this again, this idea of loose grace, okay? The idea that, you know, God is full of love and grace and mercy, and so therefore, you know, who is God? You know, and there's this idea of loose grace that elevates mankind without giving God his proper reverence and respect. And that's some of what we see um, here in this. And, And maybe you have wondered in time, How did the church of Jesus Christ come to accept certain things in in church life? Take divorce and remarriage, for instance, or something along that line. There's many churches today that have accepted that as, as, as a common practice. Dear ones this morning, it is because of the lack of fear and reverence of God that those things become a part of the church of God. Dear ones, if we want to have a pure church, a church that is holy, we need to have a proper reverence for all, almighty God. You know, these verses go on and talk about people who did not fear God and did not give God his proper, pro, proper place. The relationship became one dimensional. God owes me grace and mercy and salvation so that I can continue to live my life and get to glory. Dear ones this morning, the relationship with God Almighty is a two-way relationship. Yes, God instills grace and mercy upon my, my sinful heart as, as a sinner here on earth. However, there becomes a requirement of servanthood, a requirement of living a life. Again, we talked about this in Sunday school, that the the idea of of out of my life because of the redemption that I have experienced through Jesus Christ, out of that flows the good works. Out of that flows a life that is doing the things that God wants me to do. Like we said in Sunday school, so often we get that reversed, right? And we try and go the other way. In verse 18, the cautions that are given, it says here that they held the truth of God In unrighteousness taking the truth of God and holding it in unrighteousness in other words I have the truth of God right but it hasn't made a difference in my life I hold it in unrighteousness it hasn't created in the life of the one that holds the Word of God a difference in everyday living a difference in fleshing out what God has called us to do in verses 19 and 20, makes it very clear that he's speaking of those people that have a knowledge of God, that they may be known of God, God hath showed it unto them. And in verse 20, it says, uh, by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul is speaking this morning to those like us that know God. We know about God, we have a relationship with God, and yet he is cautioning us that it's not a one-dimensional relationship, okay? It's not that, it's not that I can take the commandments of God, I can, I can take the blessings of God and hold them in unrighteousness. Very dangerous spot to be. If we go down into verse 21, probably a, one of the most tragic verses in scripture, it says there but that because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. We should let that sink in to our minds just a little bit. They knew God, but they didn't give him the proper place. They didn't give him the proper place in their lives and in their relationships. Dear ones this morning, we are not equals with God. We are his servants, okay? We are those that that come alongside, or come uh, come under him in servitude and lifting up his holiness to the world around us. Look at the result there in in, in verse 21. They weren't thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Dear ones this morning, the fact of knowing God and not giving Him the proper place as God will darken the heart of humanity. Dear ones, this morning, we live in a nation that is called Christian. We live in a nation that, that very freely uses the name of God. But I'm afraid today that there's a lot of hearts that are darkened. There's a lot of hearts that are darkened, thinking they know God, but refusing the proper placement of God in their lives. You know, sometimes we condemn Israel for their idolatry, right? How could they be so foolish? Dear ones, the essence of idolatry is when we don't put God in his proper place. And sometimes we're hard on the children of Israel and say, well, how could they so often fall into idolatry again and again and again? How about we look at ourselves, right? How about I look into my own heart and into my own life? Am I allowing God his proper place? Am I giving him the proper reverence and the proper respect that is due to him? Now, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to pick up reading in, in, um, in verse 18, earlier here in chapter 12 we have, we have the, um, the likening of this great cloud of witnesses and the race, running the race that is set before us, living a life that is, that is to the honor of God and so on, God chastening his children, God, um, God bringing direction to the life of his children. Pick up reading at verse 18. And this is speaking now, let me just give a little context. This is speaking in regards, and I feel a little bit like I'm breaking in the middle here, but this is re- speaking in regards to Israel as they're at Mount Sinai. Okay, kind of a change in thought here, uh, talking about Cain, and then uh, verse 18. For a year not come unto the mount, that it might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto the blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard, and heard, entreated that the word should not be spoken unto them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched a mountain, it should be stoned or thrust, thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, "I exceedingly fear and quake." But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, and the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, how much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth? But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things which are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire." As I already mentioned, this, this beginning of the passage uh, that I just read was referring to God meeting with his people at Mount Sinai. And I believe this morning that this was a, an awesome meeting, okay? This was a terrible meeting and in fact if we go back to exodus chapter 19 we see some of the some of the um extent that this um that this meeting went to Uh, god promised to come down and to meet with his people and god wanted his people in his presence and in chapter 19 of exodus and verse five, it says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then shall you be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these w- words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the word of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, lo, I come to thee in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak unto thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people, the words of the, lo- words of the people unto the Lord. And so we see that God had a desire to meet with his people and we see that they responded and said yes we want to meet with you we want to come into your presence and then if we go down into chapter 10 and uh, or verses 10 through 19 god gives a list of expectations that are given the meeting that god was preparing was a meeting that was happening on god's terms He told them to go and to sanctify themselves. He told them to go and to wash their clothes. He told them to go and to be prepared for this meeting with God. This wasn't a come as you please kind of experience. There were boundaries that God had established. God's holiness needed to be reverenced. God's presence on the mountain that there in Mount Sinai, they, 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 they fenced off, in, in a literal way, the presence of God from the people. And we see that God had established with the children of Israel, the necessity of reverence and respect. He was set apart. He was holy. He was the one that was, that was setting these boundaries. we go into into verses uh verse 12 it talks uh, let me just read a few verses here and it says and then shalt thou set bounds unto the people round about saying take heed to yourselves that ye go not up unto the mountain or touch the borders of it whosoever toucheth the mountain shall be surely put to death there shall not in hand touch it but he shall surely be stoned or shot through whether it be beast or man and, it sh- and shall not live when the trumpet soundeth long then they shall come up to the mount and Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes and he said unto the people be ready against the third day you see God had this meeting planned this meeting that that required a reverence and fear of God as we think about coming into the presence of God we need to do so with the, with the reverence and respect that he deserves. And as God descended upon that mountain, the scripture tells us that the mountain started to shake. And it says that there was lightnings and there was thunder and there was smoke. And it tells us in scripture that the people did exceedingly fear and quake. We see that in, in, in verse 21 of Hebrews. There was a fear that came upon these people, they were terrified. They were terrified to come into the presence of God because of his holiness. So much so that the children of Israel told Moses, you go get the commandments from God and you bring them to us, okay? Because of the fear of God in their, in their hearts. Now, fast forward just a little bit into Exodus chapter 24, taking a little journey through a few things here in Exodus. Exodus chapter 24, And verses uh, 3 and 4, it says, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words of the Lord which he hath said, we will do. All the commandments that God had given them, they said, "We We will do the commandments of the Lord. This included the Ten Commandments and all the other law that was given. Now go with me to Exodus chapter 32. And this is less than 40 days later Exodus 32 and verse 1. it says, "And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which go before us for as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him And Aaron said unto them, Break off the gold earrings which are on your." are in the ears of your wives and your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me and all the people break off the golden earrings which they were in their ears and brought them unto aaron and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf and they said and and they said these be thy gods o israel which brought thee up out of the land of egypt and when aaron saw it he built an altar before it and aaron made a proclamation and said tomorrow is a feast to the lord And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Think about the contrast for just one minute. All your commandments we will do. Forty days later, less than 40 days later, we have an idolatrous nation that is elevating something else beyond God not giving God his proper place of reverence and respect. They had somehow lost the fear and the reverence of God. They forgot the power of God as he came down upon Mount Sinai. They forgot his commandments that he had commanded them. Or possibly had they become so accustomed to the presence of God that it no longer spoke to their hearts. They no longer feared the presence of God. They no longer reverenced that presence. We know the result. God wanted to destroy them from off the earth. And we know how Moses pled with God to preserve them. Dear ones this morning, you know, sometimes I am concerned. I am worried that even in my my own life, that somehow I come into the presence of God and I fail to recognize his lofty place. The place of reverence and respect that is needed as, as we approach God. We could look at the, at the, um, at the account of Nadab and Abihu in, in uh, Leviticus. Where they brought strange fire before God and they said, God... They they basically said, you know what, we can do as we please and come into the presence of God. And we know that God um, struck them both dead. In that that account, God says, "I I will be sanctified and I will be glorified in my people. Dear ones this morning, God is looking for a people in whom he can be sanctified and in whom he can be glorified. He is looking for a people that give him the highest place. That give him that that place that is unchallenged by any other. Okay, so we say, all right, that was all Old Testament, right? That's that's Old Testament. But we are today in the age of, of the New Testament. We're in the new dispensation. We're in the age of grace and so on. Go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Basically what the Hebrew writer is saying, he's saying here that we're coming to this Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. In other words, he's saying we're leaving the law behind us and we're coming into this new dispensation, this dispensation of grace. And dear ones this morning, it is an absolute blessing. It is an absolute uh, joy to be part of the new dispensation. Okay, I, I don't think any one of us would, would enjoy the laws of the Old Testament, right? And so, so there is a tremendous freedom and a joy and so on that goes with being a part of the, of the new dispensation, being a part of the, um, of the church of Jesus Christ today. The sobering thing, if we go into verse 22 here in Hebrews 12 again, it says here in, in verse 22, but you are coming to Mount Zion, Unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Dear ones, this morning, because we live in the new dispensation, we, each one of us this morning, has unlimited access to the presence of God. In the Old Testament, it wasn't that way. But in the New Testament, each one of us has unlimited access. To the very presence of God. You know, there's something sobering about that. You know, as we think about a presence with God Almighty, no longer do we need the sacrifices of the priests. No longer do we need to, to go through the motions of, of, of the Old Testament uh, practices. We understand better the love, the mercy, and the grace of God that he gave through Jesus Christ. But if we go into verse 25, the Hebrew writer gives us a solemn warning. In verse 25, he says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? In other words, he's saying we have come into a new dispensation, But dear ones, this morning, God still holds the same position. God still holds that same place. The highest authority, the the, the one that is over all. I believe the Hebrew writer saw the danger of humanity losing the fear of God because of entering the dispensation of grace and mercy and peace. In which we experience today that's a blessing dear ones we can rejoice in that but we can never lower god because of what he has given us if we go into acts 5 and we're not going to take the time to turn there we see the account of ananias and sapphira they came into the presence of god and um and at this time the church was experiencing the grace and the power of god there is dramatic growth there was there was Amazing things happening in the church here in, in Acts chapter five and um, and yet God I believe needed to help the church understand that he was still God, okay that he was still the one that was in charge of, of, of humanity. you know Ananias did not see the need to approach God in truth okay he, he saw the, that he could approach God. On his own terms, if you will. And we, we know what happened. Um, you know, Paul, uh, Peter asked Ananias to simply do uh, some personal inventory. And, you know, God in his mercy offered Ananias and Sapphira that opportunity to make things right. Right? We, 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 under, we remember the story. But God in his holiness could not tolerate sin and we see God's judgment upon Ananias and Sapphira, I believe it struck fear and reverence in the church to recognize the fact that God is still sovereign in in, in judgment. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, the words of Jesus, he says this, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Jesus is sending out his disciples at that time and he was warning them. He saw the danger of becoming careless with the, uh, with the respect of God. Romans chapter three and verse 18 says this, it says, there is no fear of God before their eyes, speaking of the ungodly. Again, a warning to us as humanity. In 2 Corinthians, and maybe I'll just quick turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, seven, And verse one says this, it says, having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and catch this perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The fear of God brings a perfection to holiness. So this morning, what is acceptable with God? How do we serve God acceptably? If we're in Hebrews chapter 12, we see in verses 28 and 29, God calls us to be those people that experience grace, but yet serve God in an acceptable way, in a way that honors his holiness, that honors his, his, his position of authority in our lives. So what does grace coupled with godly fear, lived out to his praise and glory, look like today. I believe one of the things is reverence in worship. I have a deep appreciation for our worship services. I, I, I help, in, uh, I help uh, some with, fu- with uh, funerals and different services, different types of services, and I have come to have a much deeper respect for the reverence and respect that, that I experience in our church circles. We worship God because of God's grace in our lives. We exalt him in our worship. Our worship is not to be a contest of best worship teams, the best minister, the largest audience. But our worship services need to be a place of respect, a place that where God's name is glorified you know, I know you don't have many young people here. But as young people, sometimes those things allure us, right? The, the things that are catchy, right? The worship teams and the, and the, and the talented preacher and the, and the large audience or whatever, they catch our attention. Young people, look for a place where the word of God is reverenced, where God is set in his proper place. I believe in others' time that the fear of God is very important. It is always important, but I think it's important that we uh, practice the fear of God in our approach to communion. You know, our council services are a service of tremendous importance, a time of personal inventory, as we as we come into the presence of God on a special occasion. God asked Ananias and Sapphira to give personal inventory. And you know, I think it's important for us to realize the reverence and respect that is necessary as we approach the communion service. We also need to have a fear of God in our everyday business. Does my everyday business life reflect the fear of God? Am I honest? Am I fair? Do I refuse to retaliate? We talked about non-resistance in in Sunday school. Business sometimes, or maybe often, gives us that opportunity to to live out non-resistance, to not retaliate. You know, do we have to cringe to tell our business associates where our church building is located? I trust we don't. But it comes back to this thing of the fear of God if I truly believe that God is who he says he is, it's going to reflect in my everyday living. It's going to reflect in, in, in all that I do. Another place that uh, we need to have a respect for God is in our relationships. Dear ones this morning, do we have moral boundaries that will not be crossed because of the fear of God? Think about the young man Joseph in the land of Egypt. There was one thing that kept his morality where it should be. He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin before God? It was the fear and the reverence of God that put a boundary in that relationship. You know, along with that is our respect for others, lifting up those that are around us. Somebody mentioned the church. I think it was Brother Phil mentioned the church. As we build one another up, as we lift one another up, that's a a thing of respect. Not to downgrade or to degrade those that God has created. To respect those in authority over us, to respect the elderly, to teach respect. Because we fear God. Dear ones this morning, in conclusion... Is our service acceptable to God? God calls us to be saved by his grace, but he calls us to serve him with reverence and godly fear. Dear ones, this morning, we have an opportunity to live our lives in such a way that as we go out and as we rub shoulders with the world around us, as we relate within our homes We can lift up the name of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. My challenge for myself this morning and for each one of us, let's put God in his proper place. We are his servants. He is King of kings, Lord of lords. Let's lift up his name together. Let's kneel together for a word of prayer.